morning. My name is Marcel Hall. My wife, we lead our uh, college student ministry, and it's an honor to be able to preach the word this morning. I uh, hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving, and uh, if you didn't, then I, I pray you have a good Sunday. And uh, we're going to have a good time here. Uh, definitely happy to see a number of people that have come back here for the weekend. I know we have a number of uh, people who are gone out of town. And a number of people visiting do want to welcome you to our service here. And do want to uh, say, uh, you know, I can be a little crazy on the mic here a little bit. So if you're visiting here, uh, bear with us, okay? And uh, I do like an interactive time, though. When, when I get up here and preach, I like for it to be an interactive activity. So it's not just me speaking, but we're all... Uh, uh, you know, participating in this. Amen. So we're going to need some, some feedback. In fact, I might even ask a couple questions uh, so we can get some response. Amen. We're going to go ahead and continue in a sermon series we're doing out of the uh, the book of Mark. Uh, it is a biography uh, written uh, by a guy named Mark there who had an eyewitness account given to him by uh, one of Jesus' followers named Peter. And so he wrote a biography. And this is what we have and we call it the book of Mark. And so we're going to continue in this uh, search for the real Jesus. And so if you could turn with me over to Mark chapter 4. And before we, uh, we uh, get into it, let's go ahead and let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you will fix it. God, we know we come to you right now with uh, uh, many different desires, many different things going on. But God, we know that we have a God who uh, loves us, who trusts us. Uh, who is trustworthy, and uh, God, we know that you will fix anything, and God, that you will bring us through, and you want us to be in heaven with you for eternity, and God, we're so grateful for that. We're so grateful for your son, and God, we're grateful for what we will learn today, and God, we pray that it will penetrate our hearts, it will stir our souls. Father, it will allow us to adore you, and God, dedicate our lives to you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. amen. The title of the message today is Jesus Got the Power. And that's a song that we sing. I know that uh, some of us who are maybe English majors or teachers in here, you might not like the title because I know that might not be grammatically correct. So I apologize for that. But it goes with the song that we sing, and I think it goes well with the, uh, the text here that we're going to look at. So Jesus got the power. Are you guys ready for this? And so I know it's getting cold outside and we have a storm that's about to come and even the song that we sang here. And so even the text, I think, is going to help us to endure the storms of life that may be coming. Amen. Or maybe that we are going through or just whatever it is we're going through. I think we can get some encouragement and some faith and some hope today here from Jesus because we know he got the power. OK, are you guys with me here this morning? Mark chapter 4, let's go and let's read the text here. Amen. Now, Jesus had just been uh, spending, this appears to be a whole day of teaching. He was in, he was by the lakeside and he was teaching in this boat and he had just uh, spent what appears to be a lot of hours preaching and teaching. And so we take it up in verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, 
so that it was nearly swamped. Okay, let's stop right there. A squall. I mean, how many people use that term? Or how many times have you ever said, hey, there was a squall that came over in my area last week? Most of us don't, don't say squall. Not quite sure why they decided to translate a squall, but amen. That'll work there. Squall is basically a storm or really a windstorm that kind of comes suddenly, usually accompanied by either rain, sleet, or snow or something like that. But this one was a windstorm. And in this part of the the uh, town, they were known for sudden storms because the lake here is actually 700 feet below sea level and it's surrounded by mountains. And so you can imagine when some wind comes, it gathers up and you can get a windstorm like that. And obviously it can be pretty intense. And so here we have a squall that came, a storm, a windstorm. Now, what would you be doing or thinking when this Windstorm had came. Now put yourself in the best way to get the most out of the Bible is to insert yourself into the text. So let's insert ourselves into the text here. What would you be thinking or what would you be doing if you're in this boat? Now this isn't a yacht. In fact, Dave, can you go to the slide here? Here's what the, the, the boat probably looked like. You see that boat right there? This is actually, they, they, they coined this the Jesus boat. Because it's actually a boat from Jesus' time that they found over in the Sea of Galilee. And so this boat here, that they actually found this and they're like, wow. Now they don't think Jesus actually got in this boat. That'd be cool if he did. But, but they don't think that he did. But this was a boat here. So imagine this is the boat that you're in here. In fact, go, go to the next slide there. Uh, and so this is kind of a model of what they created. They said, well, here's what it would look like if it was complete. So imagine that you got Jesus and several disciples and there's some other boats obviously going around. Now you're in this little boat here and this squall, this windstorm comes and overtakes you. What would you be thinking or doing? Okay, somebody said they'd be scared just yelling. Ah! I, I, I mean, imagine, because again, this isn't protected. There's not like some great, like, you know, windshield. No, it's just there, and you got this wind, and you're out there in this lake there, and you would probably be a little nervous. I know I would be. I don't like being in the water anyway. I don't even get in the pool. You know what I mean? So let alone in a lake, and you got this wind, I, I'm scared. And so we see here, wow, they, they were a little nervous. So let's continue reading in verse 38. Jesus was in the stern. That's kind of the back part of the boat there. Sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And let's stop right there. Again, picture this scene. Put yourself in the scene. This is wild. There's a, there's a windstorm in this little boat. Waves are crashing in, and obviously, this must have been a pretty intense one because several of Jesus' followers were fishermen, so them being on the boat and, and having a, a windstorm come probably wasn't something that brand new, so this was obviously an intense one. You guys with me here? And they're freaking out, and they're running, and they're scared, or they're not running, but they're running, you know, they're in the boat shaking and scared. And they look over, and Jesus, their fearless leader, is sleeping. You, you, I mean, just, I mean, what? oh my goodness, hey, Jesus, Jesus is asleep. Jesus, wake up. And uh, my first question is, man, how could he sleep through this? Everybody's freaking out, but Jesus is knocked out. I mean, you can imagine, that was a lot of preaching, obviously, earlier that day to get him tired. 
I mean, it reminds me of this one time I used to lead the, uh, the teen ministry. And, uh, and Eric Rodriguez probably remembers this story. It might, it might have actually scarred him. Uh, but, you know, uh, some of the guys in the teen ministry, they, they wanted to pull a prank on me. Like one of my first years being in teen ministry and didn't realize I'm not really a pranking type. So when I get pranked, I don't like pranks. I don't, I don't prank people because if people prank me, I like take it too far. You know, I'm one of those guys. Like, oh, you're going to prank me? Okay, cool, you know. And they're like in the hospital. I'm like, yeah, huh? How you like that prank, huh? <laughs> I, I mean, so I don't like pranks. And so these guys prank me. And I said, okay, so I plotted. I mean, this is how I am, okay? So I plotted. It took some months. And so we're going to get him back. So we had this all night, uh, uh, we had this sleepover over at uh, the Boys and Girls Club in Pasadena. And so I just plotted. I said, we're going to stay up all night, guys, and, and then we'll go to sleep real late. So I'm keeping them up, to, you know, 3 or 4 in the morning. Like, okay, cool, they're tired. I said, go to sleep. I faked like I, you know, I was going to sleep. Oh, yeah. And Eric is some of the, is some of his culprits there who had uh, pulled a prank on me. We, uh, long story short there, but we got this giant gallon of water right after they had gotten to a good sleep. And they were UCLA fans. That was their sin to begin with, but <laughs> it was a USC UCLA weekend. And uh, this one, USC used to actually win the game. Um, and, uh, and so we, we got over there and we blasted the music and we poured these giant buckets of water on them and threw some red and yellow like silly string or something like that on them. And, and, and so, you know, we just poured it on them and they were like, Marcel, could you do this? You know, and like, I thought you were a minister. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, sorry. And I'm like, yeah, in your face. You, you know what I mean? And, uh, and Ricky Gutierrez, I think he's down there in the classes right now with the kids. He was there. He actually wasn't one of the culprits. But he got hit. He was an innocent bystander. <laughs> and I remember it. So he looked up, and you could tell he was mad. And uh, he looked up, and he was kind of puzzled, like, why'd you do this, Marcel? <laughs> and I didn't apologize at all. And I just said, hey, man, that's what happens, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And he looked up, and then, you know, he's in a, now this is a puddle of blood. I mean, not blood, uh, water. I was trying to create blood. EJ, you remember this, right? There was a giant puddle of water there now that had stopped. I'm telling you, we, we poured a whole bunch on. And Ricky looked up, and he was mad, and he just went, and went right back to sleep. In this puddle of water. I said, amen, you know what I mean? And so I can, so I can envision how Jesus could have slept through this because he was obviously very tired. But you can imagine the disciples, they're freaking out and their leader, what, what, what's going on? And they're saying, hey, don't you care if we drown? That's pretty dramatic. Don't you care if we drown? They're stunned and maybe even upset with Jesus. I, I can see something like, man, we're, we're about to drown in. You have the audacity to sleep on us? Come on, wake up. Do something. Help us. Come up with a plan. But see, we all can ask these type of questions too. Yeah. When we have a storm in our life, when something's going on, we, we cry out to God, don't you care if I drown? Don't you care if, if I go under financially? Don't you care if this relationship goes down? Don't you care if I fail in this class or I get let go of my job or I can't pay my rent? Whatever. Don't we cry out in the same fashion? We cry and we say, don't you care? Now that's an interesting question. Wow. You think Jesus really didn't care? Of course he cared. And we know that he cared. But see, the thing is, they didn't trust and sometimes us, we don't trust that God will take care of us. Or sometimes we don't trust in his intentions 
really in his character, really who he is. We don't trust him to be a Lord, a Savior, a protector. We, we, we don't trust him because maybe we just don't know him well enough. We don't know the real Jesus. And because of all the issues going on, we get scared and so we cried and we're, we're wondering, will God save me? Well, God, do you even care if you save me? Do you care about what's going on? And we cry out in the same fashion as the disciples did. Well, let's continue reading. He got up, verse 39, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. What? Wow. You got this windstorm where people are freaking out. Whoa. Don't you care? Jesus gets up. He rebukes the wind. The wind. He says, stop. Be quiet. Be still. And the place went from hurrah to what in the world? Imagine being there. You're freaking out, thinking this man doesn't care about you. You're questioning. You're thinking your life's about to pass. And then he just says three words, and the whole place goes quiet. He rebuked the wind. How do you rebuke the wind? I've seen people get rebuked. I've been on the receiving side and even on the giving side of rebukes, but I've never seen anybody rebuke the wind before. And then turn to the waves. He rebukes the wind and then turns to the waves and says, stop, be quiet. And what happens? Completely calm. Who can do such a thing? Who does this? Who can do this? I mean, man, we got a storm coming on Monday. Try that tomorrow. <laughs> storm, be quiet and stay still. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You probably get rained harder. <laughs> Who can do such a thing? But Jesus can and did. Wow, those storms in our life. Huh. I think just at his command, he can do something. Let's continue reading. Verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Wow. Now, mind you, we're up to chapter 4 here. We've already seen he's done a number of things. None of the things that probably, probably earned him some, you know, some credibility. I mean, he's, he's rebuked demons, he's healed people, he's healed a paralytic. I mean, he's done so much, and now they're in this storm, and he says, Hey guys, why did you doubt? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, they doubted his power. They doubted his heart, his intentions, his character. And it, I mean, to give the disciples some credit here, I mean, I don't look at them and judge them because we do the same thing. The situation did seem reasonable for some doubt and some fear. It did seem reasonable, right? I mean, expect them to just be calm while the waves are crashing in and there's a storm coming would be probably, you know, a little crazy in itself. To not be affected at all, of course you would be affected. But see, they doubted what he was capable of. They doubted his intentions. Do you care if we drown? He says, why 
Did you doubt? But see, we can doubt that Jesus can help us, don't we? Our storm in our life, we doubt if he can, and then we doubt if he cares or if he's willing to help us. We doubt that he cares enough about us to help us. Say, yeah, but, but I, don't know if you, I don't know if you love me that much to help me through what I'm going through. And he asks us the same question. Do you still have no faith? Asking us, really, don't you know me? Don't you know who I really am? Would you really doubt me, my heart, my intentions, my character, my desire for you? I think the cool thing is, and it's so, so comforting, fact of being in Christ, of being a follower, a true Christian, is that we can actually overcome fear. Not saying that we will never have fear. I don't think that's, that's reality. But we don't have to live in fear, but we can actually overcome fear. We can deal with our fear. We have no reason to stay in fear. With Jesus, we can not only overcome it, but, man, we can have victory despite our fear. Because Jesus is capable, he's willing, and he wants to get us through our storms. You guys with me here? Let's continue reading verse 41. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That makes sense. You got this windstorm crashing in on you. He went from being asleep. He got up, rebukes the wind and the waves. It calms down. And he says, why do you doubt? Don't you know who I am? And then, I mean, I would be asking the same question. Who is this man? Who's in the boat with me? What is he capable of? Who is he really? You see here, Jesus got the power. Jesus has the power, not only over demons, but now we see over nature itself. Over nature itself. Did you, did you comprehend that? He has the power. And this power revealed his divinity. This power revealed that he was divine, that he truly is the son of God. And see, the Jews understood that only God was capable of actually controlling nature itself. They understood this. So that's why they're asking themselves when they see him calm the women, the wind and the waves, who is this man? Because they know wait, only God can do something like this. There's no man who's capable of this. So again, we're now being introduced or reintroduced into the divinity of Jesus, of the real Jesus, as if he is God in the flesh because he has power over nature itself. You guys don't believe? Okay, look. look at, let's look at a couple of scriptures. Going over to Psalm 65. Are you guys with me here? 
This is really cool here because as you understand what, what, what they're experiencing, and remember the, the Jews at this time were very familiar with the Old Testament, so I'm sure some of these scriptures probably came into mind here when they realized what Jesus was doing. Psalm 65, verse 5, it reads here, You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their ways, and the turmoil of the nations. Going over to Psalm 89. All right, come with me now. All right, Psalm 89. Verse 9 here, we're seeing the nature of God, their understanding of who God is. Psalm 89, verse 9, it reads, You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. Going over to Psalm 107 right now. Psalm 107, verse 28. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and they, he guided them to their desired haven. What are we seeing here again? They understood that only God has such authority. So to see Jesus have that same authority revealed that he is divine. Revealed that Jesus got the power. He's doing only what God himself can do. Who's the real Jesus? He's the one who got the power over nature, over demons, over the sick. Jesus got the power. And in fact, we see this displayed. It started to come into picture during this time. But, but God reveals this in the Holy Spirit to Paul going over to Colossians chapter 1. You guys still with me here? I want us to be in awe here of Jesus here. Our Lord is not some weak, uh, 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 puny person who, who is incapable. But Jesus got the power. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read here in verse 15. This is talking about Jesus here. And the writing says, He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus got the power. We're seeing here that Jesus is not what we have him pictured at in common today, and what we see him as to be some weak, mild, soft-spoken lamb carrier. No, Jesus is the Lord. He is the one who has all power in his hands, the ability to calm the wind and the waves. He is a man of authority and power. And I think another thing that we see is Jesus, the real Jesus, is trustworthy. He's dependable. You can count on him. 
He's reliable and will take care of his people. Because that's what we see. The, the, the disciples are wondering, do you care? Do, do you, are you trustworthy? Do you really love us? Will you provide? Will you help us in this time? And we see here, yes, he has the power, but yes, he's trustworthy. You can invest and trust in him because he will provide. Might not be the way in which we think automatically, but he will get us through it. You know, it's really cool because uh, the campus, uh, some of the campus sisters were talking and uh, I think it was Erica and she was saying she wanted to go uh, skydiving. And uh, one of the girls uh, who, was, uh, who was studying the Bible, she was like, no. Don't do that. You might die. And it was really cool. Monica, who just got baptized not too long ago, she goes, oh, we got Jesus. We'll be fine. She goes, and if we die, we go to heaven. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of true. You know? And she just had such innocent faith, and it was so, it was so pure and it was so cool. It was like, yeah, you, you really don't have anything to worry about. Jesus has the power to protect you. And guess what? He will provide and he will take care of you. He will take care of us. He is trustworthy. Turns our bad into good. Again, might not be on our terms. Might not be on necessarily our timetable and our schedule. But he will always come through for his people. He is trustworthy. But see, we can only discover the real Jesus by following him. We'll never know this Jesus until we actually follow him. You see, Jesus invited them. He's the one who actually offered up, hey, let, let's go on the other side here. Let's get in the boat. Let's continue. Jesus said, come with me. Now, imagine if they didn't go with him in the boat. They would have never had this experience. They would have never known how powerful Jesus was. They would have been on the shore wondering what happened and just maybe heard, but never had their faith themselves. If you and I want to know the real Jesus, we have to follow him. It's the only way we're going to find the real Jesus, the only way we're going to know his power, the only way we're going to receive the blessings and have our faith expand is by actually following him. We can't sit on the sidelines and just study him. We can't just watch somebody else and go, okay, my faith's going to grow. No, we actually have to follow him ourselves. We have to become a true disciple of Jesus. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, you have to continue following. These men had been with Jesus for a little while now. They had already seen some miraculous things. But Jesus and his experience allows them to grow in their faith and know him more deeply and intimately. So now they're able to trust him even more. So that when the next storm comes, they have some more faith and experience to go off of. And these men eventually did go through some many storms. In fact, storms in which they died for their faith. So what does that mean for you and me? That Jesus has the power. Well, I think it's simple. I think what we need to do is we need to trust Jesus. We need to trust Jesus. And even as you see behind me, the little boy who's jumping in to the father's uh, uh, arms there. You know, he can say he trusts him and stay put. But he's not really trusting him if he stays put, is he? If he just says, Daddy, I trust you, but I ain't going to jump to you. Is that real trust? Real trust is actually in action. 
We actually have to jump out. When I say trust Jesus, I'm not just saying just trust him. Hey, I just believe everything you say. I'm talking about actually following him. Putting your faith into action. Jumping out. A leap of faith, if you will. Trusting his power, his promises, and following him and his word. Now, we don't have Jesus in the flesh like the apostles did. But guess what? Those of us who, who are true disciples, who repented and got baptized, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Wow. That's awesome. That, it, that enables us to be able to trust him, enables us to follow him truly. So the question for you and me today is, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You know, why do we doubt? I understand it because I, I, I go through it as well. Because in the middle of the storm, we forget, don't we? In the middle of the storm, you're not thinking about what Jesus has done already in your life. You're only thinking about the winds and the waves that are crashing against you in that particular moment. So therefore, what? We forget. We doubt. We cry out, God, don't you care? Will you not help me? And we're scared, we're shaking. And we think God is sleeping. You know, Jesus was literally sleeping. No, don't you, haven't you been in that situation? Like, God, are you just not hearing my prayers? It's like, God, you're asleep. Like, I've been praying, and you, like, really haven't answered that yet. Are you, like, waiting to get to me? Am I, like, 54th in line or something? Like, what's going on? And therefore, we doubt, and we beg, and we cry out, do you care? But here's the thing. Jesus has the power to bring peace out of chaos. Because it was chaotic. Wasn't that scene? There's a lot going on. But Jesus brings it to still, calm, warm waters. Peace out of chaos. The power to calm the storms of your life. Now, what are some storms in our lives here? Let, let, let's go ahead. Let's, let's have some, some exchange here. What are some of the storms that we may have in our life? Yes. Dealing with our children. Dealing with our children. That, that, that is true. That, that could be a storm there. Uh-huh. Going through some hard times. Yes. Okay, worrying about our family in other places, right? Those are some storms in our life. Yes. Illness, right? That's huge, right? Our health, that's a big one. That could be a storm in our life. What are some other ones? Yes. Financial. I thought that one would be a little sooner, right? Yeah, some financial. That's a storm, right? Got Mr. IRS or the bill collector calling, you know? Yes. Difficulty in school, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a storm. All this going on, finals, midterms. Any other storms that can happen in our life? Yes. Okay, decision that things that are out of our, our control that, that will affect us either directly or indirectly. Okay, cool. Any, yes, in the back. Death or divorce, right? These are real storms, aren't they? How many of us experienced one of these storms? Hopefully we haven't dealt with all of them yet. Man, God's doing something amazing in your life then. But family drama, isn't that a storm? Oh, Yeah. Right? Some of us might even experience that this weekend, right? Like, man, I like Thanksgiving, but man, I don't like Thanksgiving, right? I mean, family drama could be a real storm. Financial issues, relationship problems, 
whether it be, you know, a family out of state, our children, our spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, maybe neighbors, uh, co-workers, friends, friends in the church, friends outside the church. We can have some relationship problems, health issues, school and work problems. Man, there's a lot of storms that we can be hit with in our life, isn't it? And I know there's many of us that are going through some storms right now. Some of us just came out of a storm. There's a lot of storms, but let, let's do a little litmus test here. Let, let's see if, if Jesus is truly reliable and he has the power here. So just raise your hands here. Raise your hands here if Jesus has calmed this storm in your life. If he's calmed ever a storm in your life, some family drama. Raise your hand. Okay, cool. Has Jesus ever calmed the storm of some financial issues? We get some murmuring at that one, like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Has Jesus ever calmed the storm of some relationship issues? Has Jesus ever calmed the storm of some health issues? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I wouldn't be here if it were not the Lord. <laughs> some school or some work concerns. Has he ever calmed those storms in your life? Wow, he sure has calmed a lot of storms in here. So then why are we afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, Jesus right here among us has done so much. We have real life examples of what Jesus' power is capable of doing. And most of us raised our hand multiple times. So we have personal past experiences of Jesus getting us through the storm. So what do we need to do? We have to trust Jesus. We have to hold on by continuing to obey his word, not giving up. Many of us, when the times get hard and the storms come, we want to let go. But thankfully, as we sing, we have an anchor for our soul who calms the warm, I mean, calms the waters in our lives. You see, trusting Jesus goes beyond just the storms here. And I know we have different uh, uh, kind of uh, sets of people where they're at spiritually. We have people who have been uh, followers of Jesus for a number of years. We have some who, who are studying the Bible, wanting to become uh, uh, true Christians. And we have some who might be coming for the first time. And I, I want to see how we can make this even more practical for our lives here real quickly, okay? So those of you who, who, who want to become a disciple of Jesus and have yet to make that decision to make Jesus Lord. One, I, I, I understand, and I think that really what it is is what we're talking about. There's a fear that's stopping you. Maybe it's the fear of giving up control. Maybe it's the fear of, of just change. I, I, I know I, I would have to change. Maybe the fear of, man, can I really do this? Can I live the way Jesus called me to? The fear of what others will think. Well, what will my mom or my dad or my friends say or, or my coworkers? Or the fear of the future. Will Jesus really help me in the future? Or fearful of just giving up things. Maybe it's a relationship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a certain type of friends. Or the fear of just living without a particular sin in our lives. I, I, I can relate. I had several of those. Fear of, man, can I really do this? What, what, what will my, my family really say? What, what you, you, uh, man, uh, can, can I really go without this sin in my life? Uh, I mean, the, this attraction, the, the, the lust that's out there. I don't know if I really want to give that up. And really, it's just fear. It's because we don't know the real Jesus. 
we know the real Jesus, we know he'll provide. We know he'll get us to overcome. We know what he has promised is a lot better than what we have. In fact, go with me here. Let's just look at it real quickly. Mark chapter 10. Are you guys with me here? All right. I pray that this will really help stir our souls here. Mark chapter 10. There was a guy who, who wanted to become a, a, a truly a, a, a follower of Jesus in many ways here. But Jesus called him and said, hey, man, you, you got to give up some things. In fact, he told him, hey, man, you got to give up everything to follow me. And, uh, and uh, the, the, the guy there, he's been labeled as the rich young man, a rich young ruler. He, he decides, no, you know what, I, I don't want to give up giving all this money that I have. And Jesus' uh, uh, disciples are right there with him. And just check out the promise that he gives for you and me. Verse 28, after hearing about this, Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. They took a step of faith. They, they jumped out on their faith. Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth, no one. So how many people does that apply to? Everyone, no one has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. What do he do? He said, look, you give up. Just just give up that one thing that's holding you back from following me and I will bless you immensely. You have most of all me salvation and eternity you have it in this age and in the age to come is that one thing worth holding on to is it worth giving up salvation is it worth eternity for me it's not and i pray that you'll make a decision today to trust jesus and make a decision to get right with him now, I know some of us, that, that, that's not our, our slate in life here. And so I, I'm just going to go quickly over a number of different things here. What are some areas in which we can make sure it, it, this really applies to our daily life? And which areas in which we can trust Jesus? So go to the next slide there, Dave. And so this might apply for many of us in the congregation. And I want to ask you this here. Are, will you trust Jesus in your schoolwork and in your career? Trusting him that if you put him first, he will provide. Jesus says, Matthew 6, verse 33, he says, seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, and he will give you all these things as well. Trust him in your relationships, especially in our romantic relationships. There's a biblical standard that true Christians date and marry true Christians. We have to make sure we trust Jesus in this. Never being willing to compromise in this area. Our wealth and our money. I want to encourage you to trust Jesus in this. He has the power and the, and the trustworthiness. He will take care of you. We can give contribution cheerfully. Not holding back because we know he has the power to bless and he will bless our sacrifice in his name. Let's get very practical here, okay? So again, I know some of us are in different stages of life. If you're out here visiting for the first time, I want to encourage you, simply study the Bible. In our church here, we do a, a number of a Bible studies. We create a series of studies here to really help you grow in your faith, to help you put into action what it means to trust Jesus. Come, uh, ask the person who brought you out. Study the Bible. For those who have been studying the Bible, saying, man, I want to become a true Christian. Here's my encouragement for you here. Make a decision to repent and get baptized ASAP. 
Don't go into the new year still in your position spiritually. Make a decision. Many of us, we can make a decision today and get baptized tonight, tomorrow. By next Sunday, we'll be sharing the good news about you. Make a decision today. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to repent and get baptized. And for the rest of us who've maybe been strong Christians or, or just Christians for a long time, here's my encouragement and practical thing here for you. Identify the area in your life in which you need to trust Jesus more in. And then get some help through prayer and through people in your life. Because we all have one area in which we're struggling to hand that over to Jesus. Identify what, what's the one that needs the most attention right now. What's the one you really need to give to Jesus? Identify it and then include the Holy Spirit. Include people in to help you. As we close out, Jesus got the power. Divine power to stop the storm with just his words. The power to bring peace out of chaos and to calm the storms in our life. But we got to make sure that we trust him and follow him. Let's close out in Mark chapter 4 where we started. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind. And said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the winds died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Brothers and sisters, Jesus got the power. Amen. Amen.